Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best, straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Folks, welcome back to the iHealth channel. iHealth Radio, where your host, Hurricane H. As always, new day, new show, new topic. And this topic today is going to be an interesting one because it's something that I personally, when I heard about it, I'm like, huh, how does this one connect with this one? And I'm being ambiguous for a reason, and we'll talk about that. But with me today, uh, I have a, uh, a specialist, uh, a doctor in physical therapy who has his, his own practice, but he treats physical therapy in a whole different way. And that's what I meant, the right versus the left. And, you know, I'm still, again, being suspicious here <laughs> and suspenseful. But that's uh, that's all purpose because I, I don't want to take the thunder from my guest today. So I will meet Dr. Jonathan Taves, and uh, he will guide us through the world of physical therapy in a way that we have not heard of before. He's also uh, a host of a podcast called The Headache uh, Doctor Podcast. Did I get that right? You did, yeah. The Headache uh, Doctor right. Podcast. That's right. I'm, I'm happy right. to be on the show. Uh, well, it, it's a pleasure, and uh, we made it work. So, 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 Doctor, as always, first things first. You know, let's talk about you and your background in terms of you know how you. I mean, obviously, you're a doctor in the physical therapy, but what got you into it first? I mean, because there's a lot of specialties, and you did that, and and also like about your practice, and then we can talk about deep dive into like uh, the topic of the hour today. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I'll start with my story. Um, there's there's probably more details that would bore the listeners, but what I'll say is that um, I I was a soccer player. I played soccer through college, and so it just was natural for me to want to. Um, I was excited about understanding the body and how the body moves. Physical therapy is a natural next step for a lot of let's say college athletes that are just like you know wanting to scratch that itch of uh, understanding human anatomy, and then working with people in a way that helps them move better uh, was very attractive to me. So I pursued physical therapy. Uh, I went to the the Mayo Clinic uh, in Rochester, Minnesota. Um, it's important to understand though that um, my philosophy and how I look at headaches and migraines, uh, Mayo Clinic would probably want me to say that it's it's not necessarily um, the same way that the Mayo Clinic or what I what I was educated on. And the main reason is in physical therapy school and what you're referring to or alluding to is a uh, physical therapist in the headache and migraine space. There's, there's not uh, much of a connection there. And so my journey has been sort of connecting physical therapists and this, and this idea of restoring movement, restoring function of the body can be super helpful for people with headaches and migraines. And so what happened was in PT school, I got connected with a few providers that were doing what's called manual therapy. So they're working with their hands uh, to correct dysfunction. So you think of this as like uh, someone that has low back pain, uh, neck pain, shoulder issues, knee problems. And uh, most physical therapy practices are set up with a big open gym setting, and you've got uh, your exercise equipment, maybe some tables, and uh, you're, you're sort of going and, and rehabbing and people think exercise, uh, which which is important. It's not as if exercise has no place here, but uh, manual therapists primarily work with their hands. And so the setting is more just a one-on-one -on -one treatment session. Some people put it in the category of, they think of it almost like chiropractic, um, but it, it is a little bit different because our philosophy and what we're trying to do is restore uh, motion and function. So our evaluation and treatment process uh, has more to do with uh, how things are moving and how we know they should move and restoring that as opposed to looking at alignment. And so I got to shadow and, and train uh, from these good manual therapists. And it got me excited because these were guys that had people coming in from all around the state. And, and within a session or two, I mean, like very quickly, people were finding relief. Um, and, and one of them in particular was working with the neck and the jaw. And so I took a a weekend course from him and just found it really fascinating. So I went and shadowed him and, and he was treating people with headaches. 
And uh, it was kind of like you're saying, Hurricane, I, I didn't uh, realize that there was this really a connection between headaches and what we could do as physical therapists, but it was fascinating to me. So after school, I pursued that and um, I I started seeing patients with headaches and it was one of the most rewarding types of work I felt like I could do as a physical therapist uh, because it had such an impact on these people's lives. Uh, headaches and migraines especially can be very, very debilitating. They are very debilitating. And so being able to provide a non-medication approach to this seemed like uh, there was this gap in the market. Um, these people were not educated on this type of treatment, mainly because it wasn't very prevalent. Um, I, I, so I was seeing patients with headaches and then I occasionally would have people with migraines come across my schedule. So what I initially thought was, oh man, this, this migraine, what is this? It's like a neurological problem. I got to send them to the neurologist. And, um, but, but what they would tell me is that they've been to X number of neurologists. They've been to three, four, five in town. They've, they've tried all the medication and nothing seems to work. And so they'd come in and I'd, I'd evaluate them the same as I would these headache patients. And they'd have this neck problem and I'd treat the neck and they would get better and like remarkably better, like almost to the point of they're, they're cured of their migraines. Um, and I kept doing that over and over and these patients kept getting better. And so I, I just got so passionate about it. I said, you know, this is a problem that people with, with migraines and headaches uh, are not, they're not, they're not being provided with this option and they're not being educated on that the neck or the jaw or the shoulders can even lead to these types of symptoms. Um, and seeing that gap in the, in the market just, uh, made me want to step into that in a way that, that like was almost undeniable. Like people, um, we're focused on it. This is all we do. Uh, headaches and migraines. We're a specialty clinic. Uh, because of that, we've gotten very good at what we do. Uh, we don't shy away from any type of headache or migraine. We've basically seen them all uh, and had uh, uh, good results with them all. So that's kind of my story uh, in a nutshell, I guess. There's, uh, or maybe <laughs> it's a long version, however you want to take it. No, actually, that's perfect. And just to, to, to create the context of, of what it's all about, because I think the secret is out already. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, there we, we go. Yeah, I, I was all being, you know, elusive about things and, you know, but the idea here is that uh, we know about physical therapy. I've been to physical therapists. I've interviewed physical therapists, and um, you know, it's 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 usually a great fit for like you know the body, the motion, as you said. You know, athletes usually need that. Uh, and I love your background. And and by the way, I want to commend you for that. I mean, something that you've loved, you've done, and you experienced, and you knew that there was a need for it and therefore you went for that passion and you pursued it and then ultimately through that pursuit you found a little bit more of an an angle that that most people may not even connect and that's really what i was alluding to earlier is that physical therapy headache you know they don't really you know go ahead you know you know like side by side they're differently yeah. you know, two different things but but there is a link and you've discovered that and you've made that as a specialty and and you've been you know uh, I guess advance into this 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 particular uh, area of expertise, uh, and I I haven't heard of a clinic that does that actually as a physical therapy. To be honest with you, you were like the first one. Like well, we do have to have an actual show about this because I think it can help people. Because uh, I think everybody watching and listening, you've experienced a headache uh, level. Now, what that means, it could be many things, and that's when you know we're going to ask the the doctor today. But more of the descriptives and what means, you know, a headache versus a migraine is, you know, I mean, one of the same and you know, what the levels are. But the idea is we all have experience. You know, I get them. Sometimes you're not sleeping well. Sometimes you're making the wrong move. Maybe you have low sugar. It could be money, many things that can affect your, you know, head. And uh, sometimes you just wake up on the wrong side of the bed, you know, or maybe you have a bad headache since you had a nice party the night before. I mean, it's Saturday morning. A lot of people wake up with a headache. So uh, <laughs> that's not, true. That's true. I'm not going to go further there, but. But, you know, so there's a lot of that. But really, you, you think physical therapy is, do you say, like you go to gym set in and you get all these machines and you got to really get, typically we also hear about that besides athletes, accidents and things, you do need to to get back in shape and you get a little bit of that, you know, activity. So they get you like mobile again and doing your, your thing. Like, you know, you'd be more functional. And again, the last thing is like, how does that work? So, so, so the question is now, doctor, first, if you don't mind, can we break down actually the headache? Because- Headache, I think, is a general term. We all have a headache because your head hurts. <laughs> I mean, that's all simply what it means, right? But what does that mean? I mean, I know there's more to it. There's front, back, there's different things. And then what are the triggers of headaches? And then we can talk, you know, as as we go through the show, like the the, the type of things that you do to and, and the outcomes that you have. Yeah. 
yeah, that's a, I mean, it's a great starting place because, um, understanding definitions of, you know, a headache and a migraine, uh, is really important to understand because it gives us context for, you know, what are we even talking about here? Uh, and especially in this space of the migraine world, it's, uh, it, it can be, um, I guess it's such a debilitating problem and something that patients really have a hard time finding a solution for that. Um, it's, uh, like getting the definitions right and validating that like this is a is a terrible terrible thing that um it it, in, it encompasses and sort of takes over people's lives in a way that can be very very frustrating and especially you know you go through our healthcare system and you and you meet with um neurologist after neurologist and it seems like they should really be able to provide you with a solution um, but one of the major problems is that the the why behind these symptoms is not really explained to people and mainly because um, it's it's perceived to not be understood. Um, so if you if you try to get to the bottom in our healthcare system, if you try to get to the bottom of like what is happening when someone has a migraine, uh, what they will say, and I'm not disagreeing with this at all, but what's what's happening is this: it's a almost like a hypersensitivity within the neurological system uh, that is perceiving pain and other sensory inputs as uh, sort of like alarm bells are going off. So there's a high level of pain that's typically a one-sided throbbing sensation. And I'm talking about the migraine category. Uh, but then you can also get uh, sensitivities to lights and sounds, uh, a visual disturbance, numbness, tingling. There's all sorts of other symptoms that can accompany uh, a migraine. And usually if you have a list of those symptoms outside of the head pain itself, uh, but at the classical sign of head pain that goes with migraines is um, that one-sided throbbing, pounding sensation. But if if you have a series of those other symptoms, you will get diagnosed uh, as having migraines or migraine. Uh, and so it's seen as this neurological disorder that uh, is really just has to do with the neurological system sort of generating this problem, but they don't know why it's generating this problem. Okay. So the why behind that is not well understood. And so oftentimes people feel uh, frustrated and, and sort of hopeless in a sense. Um, so right now the the healthcare system sort of stops at, um, it, it's this neurological problem um, that naturally leads people down this road of medication. So mm. now we have to manage this hypersensitivity, this response um, that's that's debilitating through uh, whatever type of med, uh, you know, they they start at the most conservative and they work up. Uh, but basically, those medications are are masking symptoms in one one sense or the other. Now, um, medications have their role. Uh, it's not as if uh, I'm completely anti-medication. I mean, people need to function. I actually listened to another podcast of yours with a chiropractor, and he kind of had the same approach where he said uh, medications like. It, it's a debilitating problem. It's hard to find a solution. And so medications, if they keep you functional and improve your quality of life are great, but having no sense of like, why is this happening? Or is there a more conservative approach is the problem. Now let's talk about headaches. So um, there's probably dozens and dozens of different types of diagnoses. So there's a international classification of headache disorders that has all of the different types of diagnoses that you could get. Now, just like the migraine diagnosis, um, when you when you're talking about the different types of headaches, any type of head or facial pain, um, really those diagnoses are just a reflection of your symptoms. So you describe what you feel. So let's say you have uh, temple pain, and it's on both sides, or maybe it's like a strap. That would be a tension type headache. Maybe you have a type of pain that starts in the neck and wraps up and around the head. Um, that could be in the migraine category if you have those other symptoms, or it could be what we call a cervicogenic headache. So tension headache, cervicogenic headache, and migraine are probably the three uh, most common diagnoses. Okay. Now, the underlying problem when so I'm going to take a step back and sort of like look above all these diagnoses. Okay. So we're not talking about one in particular. We're just talking about head and facial pain in general, mm -hmm. which is going to be a category in any type of headache and migraine. Okay. So why would someone have head or facial pain? Well, one of the things that's one of the things that's overlooked in our healthcare system is that the upper part of the neck, so anywhere from the base of the skull down to C3, so that's your third bone in your neck as you go one, two, three, um, anywhere in there actually has innervation or sensory nerves that travel through the brainstem. 
And they meet up with other nerves, like one of them, the primary one being the trigeminal nerve when we're talking about headaches and migraines. The trigeminal nerve has these three branches that pick up sensation from the face. Okay. This is kind of complicated, but um, hopefully you're following me here. So the neck, <laughs> the, the neck and the face are connected through the brainstem. Those nerves meet up um, in what's called the trigeminal cervical nucleus. And so the nucleus, that's just like a, a bundle of different nerves. And then it sends a common signal to the brain. Okay. That's like a, like a, I guess uh, maybe one step above the neurology class you had in high school. Um, and maybe one step above what you may have learned in college, but the the brain, it's interesting how we perceive pain. So the brain gets this signal and because of this combining of different nerves, and there's a lot of different structures and nerves that are meeting in that trigeminal cervical nucleus. But for the sake of this conversation, we're just going to uh, use the trigeminal nerve as an example. When it, when it hits the brain, the brain has to figure out um, not only like what the sensation is, but where it's coming from. Okay. So think of referred pain. Is referred pain familiar to you? Uh, no, no. Okay. So referred pain would be if you um if you push on a tight knot in your shoulder and it shoots pain into your head or your neck or down your arm. Okay. So think of like if someone is having a heart attack, they have shoulder pain, they have neck pain. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what's happening there is the brain is getting a signal of something's wrong and it's trying to understand what's happening. And so your brain is perceiving like, oh, the shoulder. Uh, the shoulder has a pain signal coming from there. So it's getting the location of the pain wrong. And so you're feeling referred pain. There's nothing actually wrong with your shoulder. There's something wrong in, in another part of your body. Okay. Are, are, am, I losing, I, am I losing no, you here? Or are you uh, making, no. is this making sense? Uh, actually, it's perfect. I'm visualizing the whole thing. And I, yeah, definitely, the doctor, you're okay. doing great. Okay. So the upper part of the neck is sort of sending the initial alarm signal. Okay. And this is in many, many cases. This isn't necessarily like, 100% of people with headaches and migraines, but it's a large percentage and it's overlooked. So the upper part of the neck is sending the alarm signal, just like in a heart attack, the heart is sending the alarm signal. The brain is getting the signal, but it's confusing the location. So it's assuming that the pain is coming from the head or it's actually confusing the type of input. So that's why those other sensory inputs, like in a migraine, um, it, it the brain thinks like it's hypersensitive. So sensitivity is the lights and sounds and those types of things. Um, so when people go through our healthcare system and they get an x-ray, an MRI, a CT scan, and they're looking at their brain, which again, and oftentimes that is appropriate just because we do want to make sure you don't have a tumor or something that sure. would be more life-threatening. Um, but most of the time they don't find anything. And, uh, and so people leave with like, well, my head's fine. Um, and we don't know where this pain's coming from. So we just have to treat it with medication. Um, and, and I'm almost done here, but let me explain why the neck is overlooked. Okay. Okay. So it's a movement problem. I talked about physical therapy, helping people restore function. We look at movement. Okay. So the neck, the upper part of the neck, those first two uh, joints in the neck, the first one helps us nod. The second one helps us rotate. The second one in particular does half of our rotation. Every time you turn your head, the second joint joint in the neck does 45 degrees or so of rotation. Okay. Most people with headaches and migraines, have lost that mobility. All right. So picture your head, it weighs 10 to 12 pounds on average. And our neck is very mobile, but it's tasked with holding up our head throughout the day. Now, gravity and stress weighs down on us. A lot of us sit, maybe we've had a car accident in the past, Whatever re for whatever reason, our neck um, may not function the way it should. Now, our bodies re are really good at compensating, very good at compensating. So we can go a long time with these neck type injuries and not really notice it. Uh, but at some point, the tension increases enough where it crosses the threshold, and then we start to feel the pain. Now, the pain in the neck is perceived as coming from the head, and so that's what you that's what you actually feel as a headache. Now, oftentimes, people actually do have pain higher up in the neck here. Many of your listeners, if they have headaches or migraines, they're probably like, oh, yeah, I know what spot you're talking about. Um, and that's the actual, like, that's the spot we focus on for treatment, for restoring function, okay? Now, when we do that, that's what I'm talking about. When I started to see those patients with migraines, you know, the headache patients, it was like, boom, this is easy. The migraine patients, I'm like, well, it's the same thing. You have the same stuff going on. Let's just treat it and see how you improve. And the amazing thing is it, it works. Uh, it's probably 85, 90% of the time that people are getting 
about 80-90% relief, meaning if you're going from two to three migraines a week, we're getting you down to um, a migraine or less a month, and, and it may be just be a headache, mild headache. Some people don't even deal with that, but we shoot for 80-90% um, reduction. Okay, so that's that's I, I can stop. I, obviously, I can teach a weekend course on this. <laughs> um, no, doctor, I think I think that's the most defined description of what a headache and a migraine is and and where it can result from i, I think i think uh, it's pretty clear i mean at least you know um i know it's not the depth of it i mean like you said you can teach this course you know and there's more to it obviously from anatomy biology and all the stuff but but totally understandable that it, for us normally we don't see it that way i mean all, like to your point you, you refer to the referred pain which typically that's like, you know, I got a pain here. I don't know. It's here. I don't know where it's coming from. And you start like just thinking at the time when someone has a headache or migraine, they're really not thinking much about that. They're just thinking about the pain itself. I just want to get rid of it. And, and and you're right. Whether we go to a doctor first or not, sometimes the first immediate reaction, let's just pop some pills Yeah. Start with Tylenols, the Advils and all the stuff. And most of those, they're temporary and something that they don't even work. You can pop as many, just you're hurting more your liver than anything else. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's about it. Right. Uh, but, but you're right. Uh, and then the next thing is like, well, maybe it's more dangerous stuff and x-rays and stuff, you know, can come in as the next step or MRIs. Now, sometimes and we're going to talk about insurance later. That could be also difficult to justify and get payments for, but that's another story. And then, and then, your practice is really, uh, and 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 I think uh, it's innovative because uh, you said it. Not everybody's looking at it. I mean, you have the neurologist, you have the chiropractic, you have different angles of the medicine, you know, world that actually tackles different things, and they all kind of have a way of doing and dealing with certain parts of how we work and sometimes alleviating even the pain. I mean, mm -hmm. I've had I've had folks that talked about, you know, the muscle and how if you build your muscle, it can actually help your bones and it covers your bones. Similarly with the chiropractor in the world, you know, so there's all these things. But but the one thing that always eludes us and, and escapes most of us is like, how do I get rid of that? And I think, again, everybody has that. I mean, there's, there's a level. And to your point, we don't even correlate. I mean, this is the first time I'm hearing that all these years that you've lived, you've you've done a lot of stuff to your body and you just don't realize. And it gets to a point to where you just clearly stated that, oof, your body's going to give up. It's not going to say like, enough is enough. I can't take this anymore. You got to do something about it. And typically that happens as you get older. Uh, and I right. mean, listen, I hit the 50s and to your description, that's the same part that hurts in my, I don't have headaches, you know, but, but I do have neck pain, <laughs> Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, whether it's from the phones or just, you know, sitting and doing like a lot of work in the computer, but it does. Uh, sometimes you do bad moves in the exercise. You're at the gym and you're like, oops, you do one thing out. My neck is not happening. Sometimes you sleep the wrong way, maybe, <laughs> uh, you know, but, but here's the fun thing that I, I it's, it's, this is like, we talk about, I, I am addicted to coffee. Now I get okay. headaches. No, no, I'm not. I'm just, you know, I'm just giving yeah. an example. But oh, I, I actually, I, I, I do like like coffee. But, but you know, <laughs> I can get rid of it. You have people with cigarettes, for example, right? They stop the cigarettes, they get headaches. You got people with, um, you know, drinking, and then they stop or they're not drinking enough, they have headaches. See, these are like all the things that we think normal people know that this is potentially the cause of the headache or whatever yeah. the, the level of headaches that you get. Then, like I said, the coffee is like the most, you know, normal one. Uh, you know, you just don't get enough coffee or you just skip a day and like, oh, I got these headaches. I got to get my fix. <laughs> and you go grab yourself a nice little espresso and now you're good. Uh, and that's, again, it's it's just the same thing as the medication. It's numbness of something. But really, it's not the core issue. I think that's usually the problem. We all look at the symptoms, not the actual source or the root yeah. cause. Yeah. So a few things with triggers because in the headache and, and migraine space, it's uh, it's very confusing for people, just as you're talking about here, Hurricane, that um, there's all types of things that will impact someone's experience or trigger um, th their migraine. And so, um, but the, what, what we're seeing is that um, the body just has all these different systems that impact your experience with pain, okay? So uh, remember that pain signal hits the brain and then the brain has to acknowledge it has to has to do something with it now the environment that you're experiencing that pain is is going to that pain in is going to look different from person to person so that's where we talk about threshold um so the threshold is going to be able to fluctuate 
in every individual, it's going to be different. So the level of tension, we're talking about the neck, the threshold, we're talking about the environment that your body is experiencing the pain in. So a big one uh, for women is uh, hormone fluctuations. Okay, Estrogen levels will impact the body's threshold for pain. And so uh, oftentimes they'll go down this road of of trying to manage their hormones, which um, I'm I'm more pro managing them in a natural way, and I, so I'm not against like if there is some sort of hormonal dysfunction, pursue that. Uh, but it's also important to understand that uh, estrogen levels changing is not necessarily the problem; it's just changing the environment that you're experiencing, you know, potentially a neck problem in. Um, Think of barometric pressure. So a lot of people think uh, or will experience uh, headaches or migraines triggered with barometric pressure changes. So this one's kind of cool. So if you think of someone with a, a knee replacement, a total knee replacement, uh, and they can always tell you when it's going to rain, right? Um, the barometric yeah. pressure drops and they're like, hey, you know, a storm's coming. And that's because they feel it in their joints. Their joints stiffen up. Well, this neck problem oftentimes is a joint problem. And so there's a natural, there's a resting level of inflammation within the joints in your neck. And so the barometric pressure outside changing is going to make that much more sensitive. So oftentimes people get headaches and migraines uh, when pressure changes, uh, when the barometric pressure changes. Um, another thing is food, diet. So we talked about, you talked about caffeine, um, sugar intake, um, gluten, dairy. So Oftentimes, I'm sending people to um, explore that, whether it's with a nutritionist, maybe a functional medicine doctor, because systemic inflammation in the body is going to dramatically lower the body's threshold for tolerating uh, pain. And so all of those things are valid um, and they're worth pursuing. Um, but I think we also need to understand where the actual pain is coming from, because most of the time, those don't they don't reasonably explain why you have a headache, because everyone goes through those. And, you know, a lot of people don't have headaches. So why do you have a headache, even though you have the same experience as someone else? So like, you know, most everyone drinks coffee. What, what separates people that drink coffee and, or stop drinking coffee and get a headache to those that don't? And I would, I would argue, uh, unless you're very dehydrated or, you know, it's an extreme situation, I would say you, your neck is probably actually driving it. It's just changing your threshold uh, for, you know, your, your brain being able to perceive that and sort of tolerate the pain when it, when it gets that signal. Wow, that's that's pretty deep, Doc. <laughs> so, 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 so the question now. I mean, we almost identify the, the different sources of the potential, and you know what happens to all of us, and how we interpret, you know, the type of pain that we have. But now, I come to you uh, with some sort of a headache level, could be migraine. You will be able to identify based on the definitions that we've talked about, and then now, what kind of process do you have to take, and how long will it take for someone, for example, to to align and adjust. You mentioned already a good, you know, percentage of success, but how does that process work? I mean, just for our audiences, I mean, this is probably news to a lot of folks that I can get, you know, a relief. Damn, I, I want to do this, right? You know, and so, yeah. so the first thing they want to ask is probably like, where can I go? How do I get it? Well, how long is it going to do? Is it going to be painful? What kind of exercise I'm going to do, and that kind of thing. So, so guide us through that process, doc. Yeah, it. Um, I would say it depends on who I'm talking to. If I'm talking to someone that's out of state, we have people that fly in, probably a, a couple of patients a month are flying in for treatment. Um, we try to compress our plan of care into a week or two, and that can be really effective. So we see people every day uh, for our appointments. It's uh, primarily hands-on. So like I said, we're looking at how the upper part of the neck and the shoulders and the jaw are functioning. And um, think of it as, you know, we're using our hands to apply specific pressures um, through these joints so that they learn to move again. Uh, the the sort of novelty of it is it has to be very specific. So if you think of, uh, oftentimes people will think, well, can I, can I just like stretch or do some um, home exercises to um, alleviate that the, the tension in the upper part of the neck? Um, there, we have a guided sort of self-guided self-management um, process that we take people through that can be very effective. So I won't say no to that, but what we find to be most effective is if we can get specific pressure to restore function uh, in these joints. And so what we have to do is we're working to like undo years or decades uh, of these joints not being able to do their job. So there's a lot of compensations we see when we're first working with someone. And so we start at the at the specific joint level and try to restore that joint to start moving again. Because you can imagine 
if uh, so, C1 and C2. So C1 is shaped like a donut. C2 has this thumb-like structure that sort of um, it, it's uh, mechanically it allows us to rotate. And so, uh, us putting specific pressure through there over and over again allows us to teach that to move again. Now, there's all sorts of muscles that interact with that joint. Those muscles have been wanting to do their job, but since the joint's uh, not allowing them to move, those muscles get kind of irritated. Uh, and then it also changes the resting position of the head. Maybe your head's tilted one way or the other. And so unlocking that joint, just providing freedom to the joint itself uh, is that process and it's hands-on. Um, we like to spend about an hour with a patient uh, each day. Now, if you're in town, if you're in Colorado and you're able to get to us on a regular basis, our plan of care is typically twice a week and we go for about eight weeks or so. Um, but the cool thing is within two, three, four visits, most all of our patients uh, are seeing uh, amount of an amount of relief that they haven't really seen before. And so our whole plan of care might take a couple months, which I think is still very short for people that have had migraines you know, for decades. Um, but within two weeks, uh, you can really start to feel like, oh yeah, we're, we're hitting uh, things that have not been hit on before. Um, the other thing I'll mention is, so since COVID, we've we've had to provide virtual options for people. We've come out with a few courses. Uh, we have one that's called the Headache and Migraine Masterclass. Uh, and then we have health coaching. And what we do with that is so people from the comfort of their own home can go through our masterclass, understand where their headaches or migraines may be coming from, uh, have a sort of self-program, uh, self-management program. So um, the structure or sort of three-step plan for self-management is to uh, exercise regularly. Uh, and, and there's a different, you know, there's more to that as far as what exercise can look like. Uh, it's have a specific uh, neck shoulder stretch uh, sort of strategy. So spending five, 10 minutes, a couple times a day doing specific stretches. Um, and then we also want to help find a, a provider if that's needed for in-person. And so our health coaching is set up to help people through that process, keep them accountable. And we've actually seen that be really impactful just because um, our our neck is generally angry at us. Uh, you know, <laughs> if we if we sit, we, if we have a desk job, um, all the different types of positions and stresses that we place on our body. And so a lot of what we do virtually is just remove those and add in things that are therapeutic. And, and that can be um, we can see really good results with that without having a patient actually come out to see us. And so we're excited about that process as well, but ideally we'd, we'd like people to, you know, come in person. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's us in a nutshell. Well, thank you. Doc. And by the way, I, I was going to ask about that. I mean, uh, you know, for people that are not able to travel to you, is there a solution? And certainly the pandemic was a great opportunity to, to, to be creative enough to actually still be able to deliver the services, you know, remotely, which means now that you have that ability for people that may be further out, you know, maybe out in the country or maybe just states that they may not be able to travel for whatever reason. Uh, and again, probably I don't think there's many of the specialty that you do out there. I mean, they have other, I guess, disciplines or other types of practices they can seek, but but not exactly your your kind of uh, system. And so so that was great to hear. Uh, but but you've alluded to teaching people how to identify themselves and also like to switch and shift some ways of they, their behaviors, right? Which now that leads me to the next part of the discussion is that we all have like for there's two parts. There's the ones that are just starting their lives and what we can tell them, <laughs> you know, things to prevent, maybe not to get into that 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 threshold of and avoid it, even if preventative type of measures. And then of course the people that you've helped, you know, cure or at least, you know, you've helped them diminish, you know, that level of pains and maybe just to to that once a month kind of concept. And then what can they do to really maintain and not go back and revert to a similar state because again i think we are the ones who cause these things i mean at the end of the day individually we're mostly responsible for it i mean how we sleep how we do things how we work out i mean i'm, I'm telling you i've seen you know people do crazy moves in the gym and i'm like that's gotta hurt eventually i mean maybe <laughs> and that's the other thing when uh, that's the other part i think that we need to be clear about is that people uh, it's funny because if you asked me 20 years ago i would probably not even be having these discussions because i thought i was invincible body wise right like you know you know you can't you know pain is not something that you can you know it's just how it is the younger you are the the more resilient the more your body is 
stronger and you're not going to feel as much pain as, as you get. And then you get to the point where like, shit, everything, I'm sorry, everything hurts. You know, the yeah. joints start like, you know, you start like feeling those aches. I'm like, wait a minute, is that just aging or is that something? But when you realize that over the years, you've damaged yourself a little bit. I mean, in my case, I've been in martial arts since I was nine. I've had my share of, of problems, break-ins, you know, joints, uh, you know, all you name it, muscle. Uh, and 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 you, I got actually into physical therapy before and chiropractic because uh, I used to spar and I was literally hurt, and so that was that was a painful couple of months for me, <laughs> you know, that I had. It was back, you know, and so it was difficult. But I know for a fact that whether you're active in sports, that's usually a good place to damage yourself. Uh, fitness, you know, world, that's that. I mean, if you're not proper about what you do and you don't understand what you're doing uh free weight sometimes can be crazy people don't have a good balance there's no spotter boom ouch you know something cracks and then now you're like you know this way right uh and it's hard to come back so so my my question is really like what can we and i think it's probably obvious but you know i just more from from a doctor's perspective yeah what are some of the measures that someone should take i mean especially our younger you know folks and and then we'll talk about the folks that have had situations and they are restored to a good place, but you know what measures can you do? Whether it's physical activity, lifestyle, or even nutrition, as you mentioned earlier, you know you do have some guidance in the case of hormones, and and maybe just like you know what can get you in a better place. Yeah, that's a mouthful. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I I think um, the question is how can the question I would uh, pose to the listeners is how can you be healthier? And I think connecting just general health to their headache or migraine experience. Um, and in my world, specifically, what does it mean to physically be healthy? Um, and that's what I'll speak to. I mean, if if we talk about diet, it'll just be general terms as far as, um, you know, eat in moderation. And if you want to go down a specific um, understanding of, of what may be inflammatory, you know, maybe an elimination diet, but oftentimes it's helpful to, to work with a specialist there. Um, in my world, as far as movement, uh, what is the body physically wanting us to do? Um, it really comes down to that. We, we just should be moving. So uh, I always say the next posture is the best posture. So the one of the assumptions that people have is at the end of a hard day, maybe emotionally stressful, maybe even physically stressful, they, you know, they think, I just need to relax on the couch and that'll give my body a break. Or if they feel like their headache is building, um, that can be another assumption. Like I just need to sit on the couch and relax, and that'll be therapeutic for my body. Um, that is a misconception because the body ultimately wants to move. It's going to be happiest uh, when these joints are feeling the freedom to move through their full range of motion. The muscles can contract and relax. And so um, don't hear me wrong, like rest is good. Um, and so sleep, which we'll talk about in a second, is very important. Uh, but the resting positions throughout the day that most people find themselves in, whether it's in the morning or the evening, I feel like those are uh, most common as far as like you lay on the couch, maybe you're reading a book, maybe you're watching a show, maybe you're just having conversation, playing a game, whatever it might be, and uh, you're reclining or you're shifted onto one side. So think of your head as a, the weight of a bowling ball. I think it's important for people to understand that they're asking their neck to hold up a bowling ball because it's not. it doesn't feel heavy. It doesn't feel... Uh, I mean, for some people, it might. Uh, we do get that every now and then, but um, just think of what you're asking your neck to do in these static positions. So if you are sitting, having a neutral posture is going to be best, but ultimately you need to be moving out of different positions all throughout the day. So um, if you have not exercised or exercise is something that's a trigger, I would uh, just suggest you try walking. Walking can be very therapeutic. Um, and then I, I suggest that everyone do two or three times a week of uh, something that gets your heart rate up. So some type of cardio uh, to get your heart rate up. Because actually there's a lot of physiological benefit uh, when it comes to pain management and lowering that threshold that our body uh, has. So decreasing the sensitivity that we might have to pain itself. Um, exer exercise can be a good buffer. Now, um, just a, a little bit of a, a tangent or nuance um, or asterisk, I, I guess I should say, to the exercise component. If people are like cyclists and you're um, and you're on like your Peloton and you're leaning forward and your head's cocked back, that can actually increase stress. So you might be getting like some benefit from the cardio, but you're also increasing stress in your neck. So that can be triggering. Um, and so that's why I say you have to find something that your body does okay with, but you're still getting the benefits of exercise. Um, and, and that can look a little bit different for each person. 
but um, it's worth it to to pursue that. And when it when it's not helpful, typically people will will notice that. Like, pay attention. So if you do an exercise, you're getting your heart rate up. Um, you feel good during it, it. It can be pretty immediate, like right after you feel like you've got a headache or neck tension buildup. But it can even it can be within 24 hours as well. Um, and so you don't really want that. And and that's where like we try to help people understand how to get into exercise. Um, so it's it's um, movement throughout the day, taking regular walks, paying attention to your uh, normal like sitting or, or postures, even standing. If you're uh, if you're someone who shifts onto one weight, hip or the other, try to stand with your weight through both feet. Um, think about any sort of like curvature through the spine is going to translate all the way up into your neck. And uh, oftentimes people that have these neck problems don't really like side bending. So if you're asking your head to side bend just a little bit by shifting your weight uh, to one hip when you sit or stand, that can be a little bit aggravating. Um, and then finally, the sleep component is really important. So oftentimes this is like a really low hanging fruit. Like people have called me, uh, I actually had one patient from Europe and uh, we just did a phone consult and he said he wakes up with headaches. He wakes up with his, with his migraines most often. And so if you're someone that wakes up with headaches or migraines, the number one thing I would suggest is you um, make sure that your sleeping position is not adding stress to your neck. Um, if you're sleeping on your stomach, you're asking your neck to be in a rotated position when the, that upper joint doesn't want to rotate. And so it, it's natural for the tension to build and you might wake up with a headache. So we suggest side sleeping or back sleeping. Back sleeping is probably um, probably best. Uh, if you're side sleeping, you're in a little bit of a vulnerable position because you naturally will want to turn onto your stomach. Um, a lot of side sleepers, I call them pseudo stomach sleepers because maybe their shoulders and their and their head are on the side, but then their lower body's twisted. Um, so Hurricane, if you can imagine like the top legs bent and so their mm -hmm. hips are rotated a little bit. So what you want to do there is st stick a pillow in between your knees and then hug an additional pillow so that uh, you kind of have those barriers that prevent you from wanting to roll forward. And then as far as side sleeping goes, so there's all sorts of like really expensive pillows out there. If you sleep on your back, I wouldn't really worry about a pillow uh, so much. You just need something thin. But if you're a side sleeper, I would say it's worth investing in a good, um, like a foam pillow because it's going to hold its shape. It's going to support your head. You got to account for the width of your shoulder. Um, and so having your head and, and neck in neutral when you're on your side is important. And so those are those are sort of the basic components of what people can do. And that would that would be, you know, if you're a, a parent thinking of your 10 or 12 year old, um, I would I would apply those principles to them. If you're someone that's gone through a program, the same thing applies. I mean, we want everyone to just think about general healthiness when it comes to your body and movement. Like that was that was pretty good, and and actually I, I love those those suggestions because I think for our audiences right now, uh, we know what needs to be done. I mean, literally just from the sleep. And by the way, I I relate completely to what you just said. You, you know, I do side sleep, and you want that little bit halfway on your belly. <laughs> it just it's just almost the right way. But I love the idea of putting that pillow and kind of almost put in the barricade. You know, <laughs> so you don't actually have to, like it's always one of those things. You know, not you cannot drop right. So it's it's important. And thank you for that. And and you mentioned something about the bike, the Peloton, whatever, like the type of bikes where you actually like, you know, uh, cycle. And, um, you know, there's one other thing that I wanted to ask about, I think that is becoming more of a, uh, a trend in the last decade plus, which is the habit of having phones. <laughs> we all are looking down to the phone. I mean, you're talking about the neck and I know everybody these days is doing this. As you mentioned, you know, I talked to the, the, on the other show about the chiropractic, you know, piece of it, but this is something that's becoming more and more relevant because I think everybody is looking down and their neck is in the same position over time. Uh, and I, I, I guarantee, well, I'm not guaranteeing. I, I think that's probably a yeah. good percentage of people that you see and probably an increase in these types of headaches and migraines, you know, in, in the, the more recent years. Is that a fact? Or is that just me <laughs> being me? <laughs> no, that's, uh, yeah, that's very true. The, the hard thing is, um, there's so many things that will impact the amount of stress that we experience throughout the day. And, uh, it's safe to assume that looking down at your phone, I mean, the, the amount of stress that's going through your neck when, you know, if you hold a bowling ball close to you, it's a lot easier than, you know, holding it a foot or two away. Mm. So same is true for your neck. If you're hanging out over your shoulders, 
um, the way the neck is designed as the bones stack on top of each other is in a neutral position, they can relax and they can rest. And so having your head forward, looking down at a phone, it's naturally going to increase the amount of work that uh, these muscles called the paraspinals and the suboccipitals will have to do um, just because they have to contract to hold your head up. Um, the problem arises not necessarily in putting your head in that position, but the length of time it's in that position. And that's why I say like the next posture is the best posture because it's not as if we have to be robots or really militant and uh, you know always be like rigid and upright. Uh, we just need to be move, move and be fluid. And so um, finding yourself in that position um, for a period of time, you know, a couple of minutes is, is okay, but it's just, um, and this is probably more true with, you know, my, my younger patients, my middle school, high schoolers that have phones is where, um, they're just constantly on them and maybe they sit on their bed, you know, they're doing their homework in their bed and they're also looking at their phone in their bed. Like that's, you know, I, I kind of cringe when I hear that because it's, it's really hard on the spine to sustain that. Um, but at that age, you know, the body's pretty resilient and so they can, they can tolerate it. I, I think people, um, what I would love for people to understand, and as we educate, they start to think differently. Um, there's so many things that our bodies tolerate um, well or relatively well because we can compensate and our, our bodies are resilient. Uh, but really, it's it's asking too much and uh, it's adding to the stress that's already there. But in the moment, we don't feel it. And so that's a problem. Like when you're looking down at your phone, you don't feel like you're doing something that's aggravating to your neck. Um, but in reality, it is. And so my my goal in my podcast and when I talk to my patients just to be in your head so that the next time you look down at your phone, you're like, oh yeah, that guy said I need to move more. And honestly, just that can have an impact because if you think about that throughout your day and you're not asking your neck, like I, I talk a lot about time being on your side or time being against you. So throughout the day, you you put your body in all these different positions. Is it going to be therapeutic for you or is it going to increase uh, the amount of aggravation or tension that's already in your neck? And you kind of have a choice on which one you choose. And uh, if we can put time on your side, then it's like the the impact that we can have on this neck problem can be uh, pretty amazing. Well, thank you, Doc. That, that I, I appreciate that. That's pretty cool. And 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 you know, I, I had to ask that because I know that there's a trend. I mean, I you you just hit on the money there because my kids have that. I'm actually sometimes on on the phone too, but I did I do have one of those and usually watch you know everything like this. <laughs> I probably like it, you know, but your hands are extended most of the time, and you have to like you know, I mean, your eyesight is not the same, so it's a little hard. So I have it at at a zoom level, <laughs> but but so I, I try to compensate certain things. But but again, I'm guilty just as everybody else. I think most of us probably watching and listening, we've we've done some of that. But I do exercise and do other things to keep you know even just doing the show. Like you know, you have an hour and you sit in and you gotta and I have my teleprompter in front of me right now, so. I'm I'm looking at you, but sometimes I got to do this just to keep my, you know, when you're talking to, to just get my stretch, but, but so, so thank you for that. Now, another question is, I know earlier you mentioned something about, uh, we talked briefly about medications and, 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 and that you, you air in more the natural piece of it. Now, now what's your take on cannabis and the CBD? I, I know that's, that's probably a different topic, but, but that's now it's more trendy in terms of pain management and I've had different discussions about it. I'm not sure if Colorado, I think Colorado is one of the states that is ahead of the game with that. Uh, so, so what's, what's your take on that? I mean, is that, is there a benefit to it in terms of, or is that even a, something that you would recommend to people? Cause that, there's always a debate about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So personally, and in my practice, I would say that, uh, it's, it's not very common and I, I'm actually trying to think of a time there may be one patient, um, where we had the conversation, but we, even though Colorado is a state is, um, relatively open to recreational use, uh, or even medicinal use. Um, it's not really something in my practice we see very often. Um, I'm, I honestly, I don't know if I necessarily have a, a pro or against opinion on it. I'm, I'm probably more net neutral because, uh, when it comes to those types of, I put it in the category of medication though. Um, I can't speak to, you know, any of the side effects or the impact on the body, uh, but I'm going to assume that there's some level of impact there outside of just pain relief, right? Like, so it's not totally benign. There's, there's some other effects that need to be considered. Um, and the other thing, too, it's going to change the experience, right? It's going to change your body's experience in the environment that, that you're experiencing pain in. And so I would imagine that it is going to be helpful. I know it's used a lot in chronic pain, yeah. uh, people with headaches and migraines, or maybe, uh, a type of uh, headache called a chronic daily headache, 
Um, I think that's the scenario where I've had people uh, utilize it. Um, you know, the topical uh, um, CBD creams, oils, things like that. Um, if they if they give some relief there, like I'm I'm fine with that stuff, but it's not necessarily something that uh, I'm getting excited about because it's a little bit different than our approach or philosophy, and like we want to address the underlying uh, source of pain. Um, it it could be something that really helps manage symptoms. You know, if, if someone's just finding themselves in this you know, debilitated cycle of headaches and migraines. Uh, but ultimately, if they're going coming through a practice, I would like them to not have to have any of that, right? And I think that's that's ultimately the goal for people is they don't want to do that. Um, but if it, if it helps change their experience and they can function and get back to work, uh, then yeah, it's just another tool that they can utilize, which which I'm okay with. Well, first of all, I love your answer. <laughs> it was perfect. it was excellent. And and but 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 to your point, I think I think that still will be masking the pain, or at least you know, just it's not if you're not if you're clear of anything that can potentially mask it, and you can get the results, then that's you know exactly it's effective, and you can because even for you as a doctor, if someone is kind of always halfway, they're not feeling it, and even you want to see like, well, how are you feeling today? I feel good. I mean, you're not going to be able to give them the best because. You don't yeah. know where that pain is, so I, I I get it, and and it makes sense. And I, I like you said it best is that the idea is to treat the core, not just the, the the symptoms, and therefore you won't have to worry about it. Now, if you want to use it just to have fun, that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now my 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 other question is is the topic of of I guess everybody is on their mind is like cost, right? I mean, there's always a cost to to medicine and to any uh, and in the insurance world, physical therapy is always looked at, you know, very tightly you know i and i know that because i mean there there's processes and you know and, and approvals and authorizations that are usually are required all, all this in your practice is a little more you know different than the standard physical therapy do you see any challenge with the insurance world and again uh, in oh, terms man. of payments <laughs> did i touch yeah. a button there <laughs> no i yeah kind of i mean it's it's um yeah i i'll try to uh um, summarize my thoughts because it's a big topic. It's something that yeah. again, I um, we could we could go on a lot of tangents there. But our practice is a we call it a cash pay. That doesn't mean you have to come and you know give us cash. We just we don't work with insurance, um, and oh, that's okay. intentional. Yeah, yeah, that's intentional. Um, we we so I'll talk about insurance. Insurance uh, does dictate how providers practice. I mean, it, it's. Uh, Certain things reimburse higher than others, and so you're just playing this game. Um, so if you're in the in-network model, you're trying to be profitable um, by billing certain codes, maximizing time, and oftentimes that is not That's not, I would say, effective. I would say, uh, yeah, it's it's not effective. It's not patient-centered. So oftentimes you're doing things just to get the reimbursement, um, which is is almost like I don't want to. I don't really blame practices in the in-network in model because you have to you have to have a viable business, right? And businesses have to be profitable. And and the margins specifically within physical therapy, I can't speak to other types of um, healthcare providers, but the margins are really small and um and physical therapists don't make that much money, so you're asking these these people with doctorate degrees that have gone through um you know maybe $150,000-$200,000 worth of student loan debt and uh, you're paying them maybe seventy-five thousand dollars a year, um, and then you know your your margin as far as uh, profit is so little. Like you got to squeeze a lot out of them. So oftentimes those practices uh, they just kind of churn and burn. They're called mill physical therapy practices. I mean, and there's like you kind of have to fudge ethics to some extent. So, anyways, that whole model is very frustrating for physical therapists. I worked within that for a bit, and uh, I just didn't like it. I didn't feel like patients with headaches and migraines. Uh, would be served best in that environment. Um, and then the other side of it. So if we're talking about costs, um, my, migraines are, I think they're the number two most disabling, we'll call them a, a disease within the world. Okay. So like cost on our healthcare system, burden on people's lives as far as lost time at work. Um, so it's a huge deal. All right. Pharmaceutical companies know this and they pump a ton of money into research and uh, new pharmaceuticals. I mean, you know, watch the Super Bowl here in a little bit. And um, I'm, I can almost guarantee you there will be some medication for migraines. And, um, but in, so, so the idea is that people, uh, it's, it's really valuable if you can help them with that. Okay. 
So working in a cash pay model, a lot of people, um, you know, they identify with their insurance. You know, you pay these premiums, it's like whatever, a thousand bucks a month or um, 800 bucks a month, whatever you pay. And so it, it oftentimes can feel kind of painful to work outside of that, even though we can work towards uh, deductibles and um, super bills and all that, which um, is a separate topic. But anyways, what we try to do is show people the value in their life. If we can help them, you know, on average, you know, it's 80% improvement for about, you know, 80, 85% of people that work with us. Um, and so if, if we can take you from two to three migraines a week to, you know, one or less migraines in a month, um, you know, what is that worth to you? Um, our whole process for in-person is, is, um, three, $4,000. Um, and then, you know, virtually if you go through a health coaching and, and, you know, 800 bucks and, um, the listener might, I don't, I don't know what their perception of that is. In my mind, um, it's incredibly valuable because what, what our, what we're looking for is for the person who says, well, if you could do that for me, that would be worth $30,000. You know, like if, if I could get two to three days of work back a week in my life, um, and, and the emotional stress this has on me, I can't be a mom. I can't play with my kids. I come home and I'm drained and I'm aggravated. Um, I'm driving and I get this aura and I have to pull over and that's that's terrifying. Um, and so we feel like we're we're adding a ton of value. And so that's how we're trying to, uh, I guess, communicate with people. And that's where a lot of like the podcast and education comes from. Um, the other thing I've noticed if we're talking broadly about healthcare is um, I work with a lot of providers that uh, sort of think a little bit differently like I am in their own space. So like uh, dentists, optometrists, medical doctors, um, we could call it maybe like a little bit more of a holistic approach. Mm -hmm. And so maybe they, they have a similar understanding of like medication has its role, but we need to understand the why. So providers that ask the why question are who I look for. And unfortunately, um, those providers find themselves having to just work directly with the patient instead of insurance. Um, and so I don't like it. I don't love, you know, I know that it's a little bit more painful for my patients, but unfortunately with our healthcare system and the way it is, uh, and, and insurance driving a lot of, um, patient care, uh, that's sort of just where we found ourselves and where a lot of these other providers find themselves. Uh, and I'd love for that all to change. Um, I think there is some momentum in the direction of like people wanting to find better care. They're willing to go out of pocket. We have health sharing, um, health sharing like ministries popping up, which are, you know, they just, they're kind of like function as like cash pay patients. So uh, all of that, I, I think we'll see a change. It just sort of takes enough people to say like, Hey, um, I, my insurance is not valuable anymore because I'm not finding the relief I want. Well, that, first of all, thank you. That That's an honest response. And, and, and it's valid too, because listen, I am actually, my day job is in the insurance space and, uh, and I work in the government programs specifically. And, uh, but I understand it. it. It is a difficult world because, to your point, I mean, providers are often, you know, businesses that have to survive. And, uh, you know, you're you're right. If the code, the, the PT codes that, that that you submit are not <laughs> are not the right ones, you're not getting much, and even the reimbursements can be low, and therefore you, you tend to to order. And that's why the insurance, you know, usually are more like difficult because they want to make sure you only give the right treatment. Blah blah blah. You can't do this. You can't do that. So it makes it very difficult. And to the patients, at the end of the day, it's all about the patient or in the case of insurance members. Uh, if you think about them, uh, you know, in the long run, there's more problems because if they don't get fixed, they're going to wind up in surgery and hospitalization. And by the way, the insurance will not like that <laughs> in general. So so it, it's just finding that that middle ground, I think is the hardest part. And it's, it's difficult. And you're right. A lot of uh, practices now tend to cash only or or like payment programs and or, or alternative ways yeah. of payments uh and even for like you know like people with medicare uh, that's also you know something when they have their 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 own uh medicare policies and all those things sometimes that can help as well but you're right it is not a simple you know place but pain is pain and sometimes people will pay and you're you're right what is it worth for me? And uh, at the end of the day, I can probably skip, you know, a couple of meals a month, you know, to get, you know, a couple of outings, you know, dinners, whatever, and uh, uh, submit that to my health. I think uh, in the long run, it's going to pay off. And, and again, it's it's a matter of choice. And you're right. It's an education piece as well. And everybody's going to see what that value is. Health is everything for everyone. Because to your point, if you're not healthy and you can't function, I can guarantee you that I don't care what job you're in. If you keep, you know, not showing up, 
there's a time where they're going to say, have a good day. And that's just the way the beast is in this world. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. sucks for what it is. Been around long enough to know that I don't care who you are, what level you are, what money you make and what corporation, uh, you only as good for the time that you're there. And then uh, if there's anything that in your life changes that doesn't meet their expectations, there's a good chance you're not going to be there. Uh, I don't care what labor laws they have. <laughs> there's always a way where that, that finds its way, you know, also against you. So, uh, it's not made really for the employees overall. I mean, some companies do better than others, uh, but at the end of the day, you're right. It's just that, but your health is everything and you can find yourself, uh, you know, healthy and then you can do more. But if you're losing that part is going. So thank you, doctor, for actually breaking that down. And again, I'm not, I have no shame saying this because yes, I mean, I do tend to believe that there is a mission in a lot of the, depends on insurance and the commercial insurance is different. The exactly what is all money, money, money. And the government program is a little different because we're subsidized by the government and there's, there's more oversight. So we work with Medicare Advantage. We work with, you know, those kinds of plans. It's a little bit, you know, uh, less complex, but, but yeah. it is still rigid. It is still process. It is still painful for the doctors. And in some markets, you have no choice. And but subspecialties usually do tend to, you know, make their own, you know, formulas. And the dentist world is one of the most, you know, great examples. They don't subs subscribe to a lot of insurance. They don't care as much. Right. And it's for the most part. I mean, some insurance does, but you know, you still got to pay the most. And uh, it's copays and you know that kind of thing. And and by the way, you mentioned deductibles. They're always going to be there. And a lot of companies, you'll probably spend as much just in deductible before you get kicked in. So right. it's, it, what's the point, right? So again, in just the value. So again, for our audiences, I, this is by the way, for those people that are watching and listening right now, we're talking about the US. Now it varies by, by country. <laughs> uh, in some countries, if you don't, it's all cash, you don't pay, you don't get anything. And in some countries like, you know, in Canada, for example, it's a different system. So every nation has its own uh, policy and how they they do the healthcare i think the healthcare overall in the world sucks overall and i'm not talking about the delivery piece of it it's just the the, the way it's administered uh, yeah. as a business as just the process it's not like it's easy access everybody gets yeah. the best. some countries have maybe gotten closer to that best formula but i don't think the whole world does and definitely not in the states <laughs> yeah yeah i guess my um the the one thing i'd like to say is you know, my, my soapbox is, this is how we function, you know, like I said, as a cash pay practice and, uh, but my soapbox is not necessarily like anti-insurance. That's, you know, that's a decision we made and we feel like it allows us to, to treat people the way we want to treat them. But, um, my, yeah, my soapbox and my mission and everything I want to do is surrounding, you know, this headache and migraine space and how do we help these people. And, uh, so in network, out of network, um, you know, we, if you can find the right provider, let's do it. Right. Um, let, let's find a solution there. And, uh, I think I, I do, I am hopeful that, um, we can sort of blend these two products and, and really, like you said, um, aside from the delivery of the actual, uh, healthcare, you know, plan of care, whatever it might be, um, how people interact with the healthcare system, it, it seems like it needs some improvements. Um, and so, but you either got your choice, you either work with the in-network model or you go outside of it. And it feels like either way you've got your challenges. And, and so you just got to take your pick. Well, listen, and, and by the way, I think you've been very kind by, by your statement. Uh, I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done than a little bit. <laughs> That's a different story. Uh, so I, I do have, thank you for that. So I have a question about your name. I mean, the company's name, Novera. Mm -hmm. Now, is that like a Nov and Era or is that, am I getting yeah. that right? It's novelty yeah. So era no, or something? <laughs> yeah. Nova is Latin for new. So it seems, yeah, right. it means yeah. new era. Yeah. yeah new right. era of healthcare, new era of what? Uh, the the patients that go through a process, what I want them to feel and experience in their own life, and uh, yeah, so you got it. Uh, not everyone gets there, but that's that's what it stands for. Yeah, I was literally looking at. I'm like, hmm, I got it has to have a meaning because it sounds like you know a complex word, <laughs> but a simple in its own meaning. But it's yeah. very innovative. I mean, it is. I mean, you're doing something new edge, different, you know, and uh, it just really stands. I mean, congrats on the name, man. Thanks. <laughs> and and I appreciate the practice it. and the work. And and also, I mean, I know you're doing uh, the podcast and sharing that. Like I said, I mean, and then we can help here. So how can people reach out to you? Um, and so I, I, I will have the the link to your site and, and your practice in the description show. And obviously people can, can reach out to you if they need. I mean, I'm sure people watching and listening, they might have experienced, you know, the headaches and the migraines. They just can't feel, figure it out. And maybe there's a way here and hopefully you can be the solution that they've been hoping for and looking for. So you never know. Yeah. 
Yeah. If we yeah, can have one person, that's it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's what I always say. If, if I, if I get one patient or one person or, uh, even with my podcast, it, it impacts a lot of people that, you know, never even reach out. And so, um, I'm happy to, to give what we give away a lot of free information. So, um, you don't even have to pay us and, and we could probably, uh, have an impact on your life. So the headache doctor podcast, um, is uh, probably going to be the most helpful source. I'm also, um, got a pretty good following on TikTok under the headache doctor, uh, and then Instagram, Facebook. Uh, if you, uh, you can find us at Novera Headache Center, N-O-V-E-R-A. Our website is NoveraHeadacheCenter.com. And, uh, on our website, if you're, if you're not in, if you're not able to come in person, you can, um, purchase the headache and migraine masterclass. And, uh, we'll have a, uh, uh, discount code 10% off, um, with the, if you use, um, the word hurricane, um, so oh, thank you promo code. Yeah. And, uh, for the listeners. And then if, if you're interested in going through health coaching and stuff, you can also do that. But, um, that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. So headache doctor podcast, if you just want to know more, if you want to, um, explore how to interact with us, I would say, go to the website. Dr. John Taves, thank you so much for, for the show today. And, uh, and really, uh, it's a lot of insights, a lot of great stuff. And uh, I think we, I learned a lot. I know that our audiences will benefit from this talk. And hopefully, uh, many will see the value of reaching out at least, you know, one way or the other to get, you know, some of their headaches <laughs> removed. I mean, literally, I don't mean the headaches in just in the light yeah, term. Yeah. I mean, the physical headaches. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so, uh, and just keep up the great work, man. I, I truly enjoyed this session here. Thank you so much. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for uh, having me on the show. Uh, pleasure. And again, folks, uh, it is the end of the show. So as always, thank you for being with us, for watching, for listening. And uh, we'll be talking uh, soon. New day, new show and topic. Uh, stay tuned. Bye for now.